Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome to the house of the Lord for worship. We are so honored and delighted to be with you this morning. I don't know about you guys, but I really enjoyed that little sneak peek of spring that we got yesterday, right? It was kind of a tease, though. It was like springtime, just kidding. Just kidding. We're going to have some 20-degree days this week, but we're getting there. We are getting there. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. We haven't had the chance to meet yet. My name is Bethany. I'm the worship director here. And it's just an honor. It's a privilege to be with you today. I'm so glad to be able to spend this time coming before the Lord together in worship this morning. If you're joining us online from wherever the Lord has you today, a special welcome to you as well. We want you to feel connected to this community from wherever you are. So take advantage of all the features of our online forum. We have online hosts available for you all throughout the service. They'd love to answer your questions and specifically would love to spend time in prayer with you. So use that request prayer button anytime throughout the service. You'll go into a one-on-one private prayer chat with one of our hosts, and they would love to just spend time lifting up your praises, your prayer requests before the Lord, so you can feel connected to this community from wherever you are. Well, I'd love to invite you now to stand as you are able for our call to worship for today. I don't know if you've ever asked yourself this question, but when you come into worship, do you ever wonder, am I here to give something or am I here to get something? And the short answer is yes. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. We are bringing all of ourselves in worship And then in 2 Corinthians 3, we see that when we behold the glory of God, we are actually transformed from one degree of glory into another. So as we bring ourselves and give all that we are in worship, we actually receive back from God and are transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. That is what we're here to do. We're here to encounter God in all of his goodness and to become more and more like Christ. What better use of our time this morning? Amen? Let's lift our voices and worship to our God this morning who is worthy to receive it. Let's lift our voices together. Father of mercy, King of all kings, even in darkness I will sing. I will sing, cause I've been set free, running out of the grave, set free, all my sin washed away, set free, breaking out of the chains, and I'm alive, oh my soul, lift up the name of the one who saves, he reigns forever, oh my soul, lift up your Oh, my soul, lift up the name of 
your grace. I will love you all my days, all my days. Oh 
fears, bring your addictions, come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting, God so loved the world. Amen. Amen. You can be seated for a moment. Yeah, it's okay to celebrate this morning. We're so glad that you're with us today. Today we have an opportunity to celebrate communion as the body of Christ. And uh, we are so glad that you can participate in that with us this morning. If you're watching online, you have a few moments to, uh, to gather some supplies, maybe something to drink or you know, some juice or something to drink with you. There's nothing mystical that happens about communion. Uh, Jesus was sitting with the disciples at that last supper. They were eating a meal together. He lifted up the bread and he broke it and he lifted up the cup and they drank it. And so, but it's an opportunity for us to stop and reflect and remember. And I don't know about you, but this last week's been busy. I know that we celebrated uh, the kickoff of Lent on Wednesday. Many people celebrate with Ash Wednesday. And so people celebrate our preparation for Easter in a variety of different ways. And so I don't know if maybe you're doing a devotion or a reading, or maybe that's something that's not been on your mind, but it is an opportunity for us to stop and reflect as we prepare ourselves the good news that we have about Christ. I know the, uh, the season can be uh, uh, busy, but we need to stop and reflect. And this past week, as I was reflecting, as I was preparing my own heart for, for Easter and that season that's coming, I was reflecting on the Passover meal itself that Jesus was celebrating with the disciples at that last supper. You know, the Passover is from an Old Testament perspective when they put the blood over the, the doorpost so that the Lord would pass over their homes as they were preparing for the loss of the firstborn child. Every firstborn child's life would be taken as a result of that Passover celebration. That blood protected them. And then as we come to the Passover meal that Jesus is celebrating with the disciples, that meal was being celebrated just just moments before he would be arrested and be crucified uh, and die a criminal's death on the cross. And so I was reflecting in my own devotional life about just the, the, just the violent history about what happened as Christ gave his life up for us on the cross so that we might be in right relationship with God. I found myself celebrating the hope that I have in Christ with a new light. I am grateful for, I'm looking forward to the hope that I do have in heaven. I'm looking forward to that day that I'll stand before the Lord in heaven. But I also recognize that that came at a cost, Jesus' cost. You know, he gave his life for us. And so as we come together this morning to celebrate communion, it's reflective of the fact that he died that criminal's death on the cross for us, that his body was broken, that his blood was shed as we celebrate what that means for us. And so in just a few moments, we're going to invite you to come forward and uh, you can partake of communion. There's two elements. You can take those back to your chair and you can participate uh, in communion during this next song as the Lord leads. And if you have difficulty uh, making your way up to the front and you just want to take communion um, at your uh, chair, we have a member of our communion team. Uh, just raise your hand and they will bring uh, communion to you this morning. But let's take these next few moments to pre- prepare our hearts and minds for the good news about Christ as we think about what that means for us this Easter and celebrate. Jesus, when he was with those disciples, lifted that bread up and said, this is reflective of my body, which was broken for you. Whenever you eat it, do this in remembrance of me. And then when he lifted that cup up, he said, this cup is reflective of my blood that was shed for you, was spilled for the forgiveness of your sins. Whenever you eat this bread or drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. Father, I just want to thank you for just the reality of the hope that we have in in your son. God, thank you for the gift that he is to us. Thank you. As we head into this Easter season, God, we have so much to celebrate in a, in a world that's just filled with turmoil and brokenness and pain. God, we can, we can rise above that knowing that this world is not our home. God, that we have something to look forward to beyond uh, this life. And God, I just thank you for that gift. Thank you for your son. And 
Can we just take this next few moments to step back and reflect and remember that? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so you can make your way to the front to pick up communion as the Lord leads. before you humbly and in awe of this gift, this precious, priceless gift of Jesus Christ and his body broken and his blood poured out, this holy mystery that we can't begin to understand, that even Christ, as he told his disciples and the people around him, 
that if you don't eat my body, if you don't drink my blood, you have no part in me. And the people around him were so confused and struck that many walked away from him. And he looked at his disciples and said, are you going to leave too? And they said, Jesus, where else would we go? You have the way of life. You are the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus. And we will never be able to fully understand your deep, deep love for us. And so we just come before you. We're in awe and we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your body and for your blood, for the cross and the empty grave, for going out of your way to call us your own. Father, thank you for so loving the world that you would give your only son so that all we have to do is believe and have eternal and abundant and everlasting life. It sounds too good to be true, and I think for some of us, we believe it's too good to be true for us. So I pray for each one in this room, for those who are watching online, wherever they are today, for those secret sins, those things that we can't forgive ourselves for or the things that we think you can't forgive may we believe today Holy Spirit will you impress on our hearts today that the cross and the empty grave was enough that your love for us your grace and your mercy is enough to reach us in the farthest places that your love and your grace and your mercy is enough to cover the greatest brokenness even the utter brokenness that we see in our world right now today. Your redemption is not just for us as individuals. It is for all of creation. It is for your whole world. You are making all things new. We have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Father, we believe. Will you help our unbelief? Will you encourage each one this morning? for those who are grieving, for those who are discouraged, for those who are doubting. Encourage each one that you are welcoming them in as a loving father does this morning. It is safe to come with questions, with fear, with brokenness and guilt. Your arms are open to us. May we come to you. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to take our next breath, and so we need you to open our eyes so that we can see things clearly, because on our own, we just don't. We need you to open our ears so that we can hear, open our hearts and our minds so we can receive what's true. Transform us today, we pray, to look more like Jesus. Father, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come in us. May your kingdom come in this place today, we pray. It's in Christ's matchless name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, If I haven't had a chance to meet you, uh, my name is Andy Suarez, and I just want to thank you for being here with us today. Um, 
If you're worshiping online with us, uh, you will notice at the top of the screen there is an online connections card. If you want to fill that out, uh, give us some information about who you are and how we can maybe reach out to you and see if you have any questions or if there's any prayer requests that you have, uh, you can input all that information there. Uh, if you're here in person with us, uh, you'll notice on the row that you're sitting on that there's a little white connections card. Um, if you want to fill that out, if any of your information has changed or if there's anything you want to let us know about or anything that we can pray for or or just lift up praises for. Um, we'd love to know about that. Uh, we definitely are a church of prayer, and we, we like to have that kind of stuff. So, talking about being a church of prayer, we have our prayer gathering coming up every second Tuesday. Uh, we have a prayer gathering here. Um, we have some chairs in this room that we put into circles. Um, we sing a little bit, and then we just kind of pray as groups. Uh, whether you are a expert prayer or maybe you're just a newbie and you don't even know how to pray, it's, it's a time for you to come. You don't have to pray during that time. You can just hang out and pray. Um, just pray silently if you want or just listen and learn. Um, but we'd love to have you here and uh, to experience that with us. Uh, we have some other events that are coming up, too. Uh, we have our How to Study the Bible event or event um, workshop that's coming up. Matt, uh, Johnson is going to be doing that, and it's an eight-week shop, a workshop, and it's going to be here in person. Uh, it's starting on March 17th. It's at 7 p.m. at night. Um, you may have noticed that Matt has really enjoys the Bible. Uh, if you want to learn what he knows about studying the Bible and how to study the Bible, this would be a great workshop for you. Uh, whether you've been studying the Bible for years or maybe you're new and you just want to learn how to, it's a great class for really anyone that's at any step along in their journey um, with God. Uh, we also have our starting point class coming up. If you're new here, um, maybe you're like a long-time listener, first-time caller kind of person. You don't really know how to get involved in the church. Maybe you've been here for a while, or maybe you're new here. Uh, the starting point workshop is a great workshop to learn a little bit more about Springbrook, a little bit about what we're about. It's a great time to also ask questions and have that kind of interactive um, stuff going on. Um, this is a Zoom workshop. It's two weeks, and it starts on March 23rd. Uh, you can get more information about that at springbrook.org slash connect. And then, as always, uh, we have our app. We just redesigned our app recently, and it looks, it looks really cool. And there's a lot of information on there. There's a calendar of events. Um, there's uh, some links to small groups, and there's information about uh, different things that are going on. Um, I believe if you have the app also, it lets us let you know that... Uh, you know, the lights are off and don't come or, you know, different things like that allows us to communicate with you guys in a different way. Um, so you can get that by either looking for the Springbrook Community Church app in your app store or you can just text 77977 and that'll send you back a link that you can download the app from. So thanks again for being here. Um, stay seated and enjoy the rest of the service. Thank you, Deanna. Hey, we are so glad you are with us this morning. We're continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Funny story to share with you. We had uh, Pastor Matt and Pastor Tim and I had worked on our sermon calendar 
what dates were available. So we do that in advance. But then as we go through the sermon series, we kind of talk about what we're going to be teaching on. It was funny because when we were going through the Sermon on the Mount, we were breaking that up. And Pastor Tim goes, man, I got, I got to talk about righteousness and about how none of us is perfect. And we we're talking about how Jesus confronts the idea that there's something that we can do to be good. And then Matt goes, well, what are you complaining about? I got, I got divorce and remarriage. <laughs> so I said, well, you guys complain. I got money. <laughs> You know, the Sermon on the Mount is a, uh, it's a teaching from Jesus that is really uh, countercultural. Uh, when you read down through the Sermon on the Mount, it challenges our way of thinking. It challenges the way we think about this life and what we think about when we think about heaven. And so in one sense, it's a very challenging series. But it's also very good because it focuses us on those things that are important because we know that this world is not our home. We know that through Christ, we have the assurance of heaven and, and we're not to be distracted by the things of this world, but we're to be focused on him. And that's difficult to do in this world because this world is so broken. There's pain, there's suffering. And I don't know about you, but when I look around at the world, is there any doubt that this world is broken? I don't think that uh, anybody would argue as they look around at what's happening in Ukraine, what they're looking around at some of the things that are happening in our own nation, that, that this world is broken. And we know that. And that's the world that we live in. It is, it is fallen. And that's not the way that it was always designed, right? You know, when God first created the heavens and the earth, it was, it was a perfect world. And we were in God's presence. God's design for us was this perfect world where we were in fellowship and relationship with him. And everything that we're experiencing right now, all the brokenness, all the pain, all the suffering is a result of sin that has entered into the world. And that's the world in which we live. But we also know that that is not the end of the story, right? There's good news, there's good news that Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross, brings us into a right relationship with God. And as we, as we confess our sin, as we repent and we believe in him, the good news is that we can begin to re- recover and pursue God's original design for us. And so we live in a fallen and broken world. But that's not the end of the story. The good news is that through Christ, we have something that we look forward to. And I have to constantly remind myself, as I'm looking around at the things that are going on around me, that God is sovereign, that God is in control, and, and God is where ultimately I've put my hope. And my relationship with him is rooted firmly in who I am in Christ. And that's what this series on the Sermon of the Mount is all about. That's what Jesus is reminding his listeners then, and that's the message that's relevant for us today. And we live in this fallen and broken world. And that, and, but on the other hand, because of who Christ is, the kingdom of heaven has been brought in so that we can experience that. And so the opening part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount was a reminder that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Because of him, because of his birth, because of his coming sacrifice that he'd, he'd, do, he'd do on our behalf, we have the assurance of heaven. And so the kingdom of at heaven is at hand because we can experience glimpses of that today in spite of the circumstances that we're going through around us. And that message is something that we desperately need to be reminded of today, isn't it? I mean, there's many things that will distract us. There's many things that will cause us to be concerned. There's many things that can cause anxiety. And next week, we're going to be looking at anxiety and how, the, how we can put our trust in God. But today, we want to look at the importance of what it means to live out our Christian faith. You know, the Sermon on the Mount turns our world upside down because it challenges our, our thinking. You know, we, we started this series looking at the reality of the kingdom of heaven and what that means for us. And then Pastor Tim moved into the idea that we are, we are imperfect and, and none of us can be brought into a relationship with God except through Christ. 
And I really loved the analogy he used was, you know, Harvard was one of the, one of the prestigious colleges that everybody strives to get into, but most people don't get in. And so you can be perfect with your scores. You can be perfect with attendance. You can be really, really smart, but still not even get into Harvard because they've got some standards that they have to uphold. And God's standards are perfection. And as we try to live out our own lives, trying to be perfect and good, those are going to fall short for us. And then Pastor Matt reminded us as we moved through this series that, um, that the Sermon on the Mount is kind of like cheese dip. You know, we've got different components of this sermon. We're, we're looking at various components, but they're all pulled together under this idea that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we're looking at different aspects of what that means for us today. Today, we're looking at the reality of the fact that we have to choose between these two worlds. You know, there's the spiritual aspect of who we are in Christ. And that's what we've been looking at leading up to this point of the series. The fact that we are, we are all brought into a relationship with our Heavenly Father through Christ is a spiritual issue with regard to our hearts and are they right before God. We've been looking at the spiritual part of our relationships as we relate to one another. And so we've been talking about a lot of spiritual realities as they relate to the kingdom of heaven. And today we're moving into one that's more tangible. We're going to be looking at the material side of our faith, how we live out our faith. What does that look like? And so it's no longer just an issue of how you feel or where your heart is, and it, but it's a matter of how you live that out and how you put your faith into practice. And so those are going to be reflected in some decisions that we have to make. Today, we're going to be looking at decisions that we have to make with regard to where our treasure is, what our vision for our life is, and who our master is. And so we're going to kick off by looking at where your treasure is. And if you brought your Bible with you, uh, you can turn with me to Matthew. We're in chapter uh, 6. We're picking up with verse 19, and we're going to be looking through uh, verse 24. And so if you want to uh, read along with me, and if you're watching online, uh, there's a little Bible tab down at the bottom. You can click that, or you can just listen along um, as I read these verses uh, together with us. Jesus says, beginning in verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and, and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where the thieves do not steal or break in. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled with darkness." If then the light is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so we want to back up a little bit. We want to look at the first part of that verse. You know, we're talking about choices between heaven and earth. And so there's a choice that we have to make with regard to where our treasure is is. Verse 19 said this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, sometimes when I'm talking to people about um, Bible study, about reading the Bible, we ultimately will get into conversations about interpretations. You know, we'll read a passage of Scripture, and it's like, well, that's how you interpret it. It's like, okay, well, that's a valid concern. How do you interpret it? 
You know, Pastor Matt's going to be kicking off this How to Study the Bible um, workshop in a few weeks, and I'd encourage you uh, that if you've never had an opportunity to really study the Bible, uh, that's a great workshop to sign up for because we're going to talk about Bible study methods. How do we read and how do we interpret? And so those are very important things that we need to understand when we approach Scripture because we need to understand it. We need to engage it with our mind, and we need to, we need to understand how it applies to our lives. And so sometimes I get into conversations with people about interpretation and there's this disagreement about how, how to interpret a passage. You know, sometimes we get into the issues of talking about translations. Well, in my translation, it says this. And, and so many times the conversations can be a distraction from the point of what God's trying to communicate to us through his word. And so when I read this, for me, that's something that I see is, is very clear. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Instead, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That seems pretty clear to me, doesn't it, to you? I mean, there's no ambiguity in that passage. There's no, you know, interpretation issues that we need to discuss. There's no, you know, translation issues that we need to dig into. That is relatively a pretty clear passage for me. But it's interesting because even though the passage is clear, one of the conversations that we ultimately would get into is, is, okay, well, how do we apply that to our lives? And so it's not necessarily the truth that's the problem. It's the application of the truth to our lives. It's the experiences that we've brought to the table with us as we're studying and trying to figure out how this applies. And so it's a very simple truth. The reality is, though, is that the application for many can be difficult. But the choice is clear. We can either lay up for ourselves treasures on this earth or we can lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. And Jesus says this, he's reading this passage, he's speaking to his hearers who have gathered together to hear his teaching, they're on a mountainside, and Jesus is reading through this sermon, and I I can't help but wonder what people are thinking as they're listening to this. I mean, are they raising their hand, are they talking about it? And so Jesus is saying these things, they hear it, and he just kind of keeps on moving, and but today we want to stop. We want to stop and ask, hey, what does this mean to us? And I tell you from from a from a cultural perspective, especially here in the U.S., this message is one that really is going to hit close to home. And we have to stop and think about where are we investing our treasure? And so where are we laying up for ourselves our treasures? And so what does it mean to lay up? And so if you have kids and your kids go, hey, mom, dad, what does lay up mean? Or maybe you're in the midst of a conversation with somebody at work or in your school or in your workplace, and you were going to explain to somebody, what does it mean to lay stuff up? Laying up our treasures is what? It's, It's storing, right? It's how we store our stuff. It's the accumulation of things. And so it's nothing more than, than, than gathering together or, or, or accumulating stuff. And that's what treasure is. And so if you were going to explain to somebody what treasure is, what's treasure? You know, I got a treasure box. I had a birthday party when I was five years old. My mom did a uh, pirate's party for me. We had, uh, had, she made me a pirate cake, and I was all about the pirates. I, had, I was a cowboy before that, so I walked around with my cowboy gear, and uh, I got my little gun in my hat. You know, I had fun as a kid. My mom did, I had, uh, I was very active, and so uh, my mom did a good job reining that in. But I remember for my, for my uh, cowboy party, uh, we had, you know, the guns, the cowboy stuff. But then I went on to this pirate thing. I would have been, would have been perfect for Pirates of the Caribbean. And so we went on this pirate thing, and she got me a cake, and she had a big treasure box in the middle of it. And uh, as a part of the party, she hid the treasure box, and whoever found it, 
you know, got to keep what was inside. And so it was probably, you know, some quarters and some candy. I, don't, I can't remember exactly what was in it. But you know what I remember? I remember after that, that little treasure box got hidden, I had like 15 kids at this party. We were running around this backyard trying to find this little treasure box. What for? To get what was inside. And so that's what our treasure is. The treasure is the stuff that we've accumulated. It's quarters, it's candy, it's, you know, it's all the stuff that we accumulate in our lives. And so we're, we're laying up for ourselves these treasures. And Jesus is encouraging us to lay them up in heaven, not on earth. And so that's the choice that we have to make. Each of us is routinely making a choice about where we're laying our treasure up. If you lay up your treasure on earth, moths are going to get to it, rust is going to store it, thieves are going to break in and steal it. The things that we store up on this earth are temporary. Everything that you see with your eyes, everything you see with your eyes is going to be gone at some point. It's all temporary. The only thing that lasts forever is you. You are also spirit. And when you die, your body is separated from your spirit and you're going to spend eternity either in God's presence or separated from God based on what you've done with Christ. And when Jesus returns, you're going to be reunited with that body and you're going to become physically in God's presence or separated from God for all eternity. And so what we have to look forward to storing up our treasures in heaven has to do with another realm. And it looks different than the realm that we're in today. The kingdom and heaven at hand is focusing us, our attention on heavenly things and not on earthly things. The heavenly things, moths are not going to be able to get to. Rust is not going to destroy it. Nobody can steal it. Nobody can break in and get to it. But the things of this earth are temporary, and we know that all too well. I was reading an article uh, towards the end of last year. Interestingly enough, as we were moving into the end of the year, I was reading about uh, Elon Musk and uh, J.P. Morgan had estimated that, that Musk would be one of the first humans to be able to achieve the level of trillionaire. Not millionaire or billionaire, trillionaire. You know how many zeros that is? That's like, like 12. <laughs> 12 zeros. I mean, I'll step over a penny. If it's heads, I might pick it up and have some fun with it. But a quarter? I don't know. A quarter's got some significance. A dollar bill? I don't know. A $10 bill, I might climb over somebody to get to a $10 bill. A $100 bill, $1,000. We're talking a trillionaire. As he was moving towards the, uh, towards the end of the year, he was set to you know, be on that path, and then something happened at the end of the year, with, and he lost $50 billion. One morning he woke up, and $50 billion worth of his net worth was gone. $50 billion. I mean, I get upset if I lose a dollar, right? He lost $50 billion in one day. And as he moved into the new year, and as we got things going on right now, his, his, uh, I think his, his net worth just went down another $20, $20 billion. <laughs> 20, he's lost $70 billion in the last several months. That's a lot of money, isn't it? I mean, a billion dollars? Our treasure here on earth, moths and rust are going to get to it. Thieves are going to break in and steal it. There's nothing that we can hold on to in this earth that is going to last. Our stuff just doesn't last. The inverse of that is true, though. When we lay up our treasures in heaven, moth nor rust are going to destroy those things. Thieves can't get in and break in and steal. And so our goal is to move towards investing in heavenly things. And so when we talk about our tithes and offerings, when we talk about how God provides for this ministry, our vision is to reach our community for Christ. 
We want people that don't have a relationship with Christ to understand how to have one. We want people that do have a relationship with Christ to grow in their faith so that as they become Christ-likeness, they might in turn reach others for Christ. And so we are, we're investing in heavenly things through our ministry. And our tithes and offerings enable us to accomplish our vision and our mission. And there's values that we have as we go through this life together. You know, the church does not need your money. Springbrook does not need your money. But as people bring in their tithes and offerings, as they focus on heavenly things, we're enabled to be effective at the things that God has called us to do. And so when somebody makes a faith commitment, they have moved from the reality of being stuck in this earth to the reality of knowing that they're going to spend eternity in heaven. That is a heavenly investment that we get to be a part of. As people grow in their faith and they influence their friends, their families, their coworkers, those are heavenly investments that we're able to be a part of. And so as God provides for our ministry, we're able to be more effective at that ministry. Many times people will walk into a church that's like, oh great, I walked into Springbrook today, guess what they're talking about? Money. You know, money gets a bad rap. <laughs> it does. Because most of us have negative conversations about it. And I was there. You know, before I became a Christ follower, it's like, hey, I worked hard for this and uh, I'm keeping it. In fact, I gave you 10 bucks and if you're not grateful for the 10 bucks, give it to me back. I mean, so we work hard for our stuff. And so we are caught up in the worldly things and to talk about our tithes and to talk about our offerings and to talk about our finances. Those can be difficult conversations because we have one foot that is firmly rooted in this earth. And as we transfer those conversations and start talking about heavenly things, we start to have a a heavenly influence with our treasure. And that's why we get so excited when somebody makes a faith commitment. That's why we get so excited when somebody gets baptized. You know, Scripture says that all the angels in heaven rejoice when somebody comes to faith in Christ. That is a heavenly investment that we are focused on as we fulfill the calling that God has given us here in Springbrook. In fact, next week we have a baptism service. And so if you have questions about a faith commitment or how to get baptized, we we would love to talk with you about that. We celebrate those things. They're important. They're visible They're visible, tangible reflections of investing in heavenly things, and they're important to us. You know, we're a part of Converge Worldwide, and a part of our budget is going to support our missionaries that are in Ukraine and in in Russia right now. And so as a part of our tithes and offerings, we're, we're able to invest in people that are influencing others for Christ. In the middle of this turmoil, Being able to share the good news about the love of God and the fact that God is in control and he'll see you through this is an important message that people need to hear. In the midst of our trials and our tribulations, it's important to know that God is sovereign, that he is in control. And that's a heavenly investment that we are able to make in a ministry that's having an impact in an area right now that is in turmoil. If you go to our website or on our app, you've got some information on Ukraine uh, you, can, you can be praying for our fellow uh, believers, our fellow churches. We're very active uh, in both of those areas right now. And so I've been getting stories uh, from friends and missionary friends uh, in that area right now. And there's a lot to pray for. And so on that uh, post, you can, you can see where there's uh, some prayer requests there. But then also, uh, you, uh, part of our, our, our mission at Springbrook is to support that work. And so as people give to that work, we're able to support what God's doing there. But if you are interested, um, there's a place for you to make uh, a contribution directly to the churches that are there. And so we have uh, Converge has set up a, uh, uh, a fund uh, for Ukraine, and so you can give that as well. That's a heavenly investment. 
When we use our tithes and our offerings, when we use our, when we use our time, you know, your calendar right now is a commodity. I don't know how important time is to you, but when you give somebody an hour uh, and studying the Bible together, when you give somebody an hour to get together and pray with them, those are, those are heavenly investments. And so we can use our finances. We can use our, we can use our time. God has given every believer a spiritual gift. And when we use those to build up the body of Christ, we're, we're making a heavenly investment. And so that's where our treasures and those things that are important to us. And as we use them to point other people to Christ, that's an investment that will not be taken away. Moths can't get to that. The key is to be content with what God has for you and then to focus on his mission and his vision for you. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and guess what? We're not going to take anything out. But if we have food and clothing with these things, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich will fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. We need to be content with what God has given us. And then we need to invest in those things that we know are important to God. And having a savings is, is not a bad thing. You know, having savings and being able to be prepared for tomorrow, I mean, there's, there's responsibility, there's stewardship. And so having a savings is not a problem. But when our desire is to gain riches and to go above and beyond that, that's where temptation steps in and will cause us to stumble. In Matthew 19, Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easy, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich pe- person to get into the kingdom of God. And what he's saying is, is that camel is, is not going to get through an eye of a needle. And so it's just, it's impossible. And so the disciples say, wow, that's impossible. Well, how, how can anybody get into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus replies, with God, all things are possible. When God changes our hearts, when he changes our perspectives, all of a sudden our riches and our wealths have a new meaning and we start to live for kingdom purposes. And that is a changed heart. I remember the first time I became a Christ follower and, and I, I started to tithe. It was like God, was, it just it refocused my whole life and my whole purpose on what God would have for me. You know, but when we store up for ourselves these treasures on earth, when we focus on getting rich, when we start focusing on our material wealth and we lose sight of the kingdom, that's where the temptation steps in and that's where the difficulty comes. You know, Jesus would say at the end of that verse, in verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what's interesting about that? Think about the order. Where your treasure is, your heart is going to follow it. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, where is our treasure? And then our heart will follow that. And so sometimes we just have to make an intellectual decision to say, hey, look, I'm going to start living this way and my heart will follow. Sometimes we wait for our hearts to to change and and we think, well, then we'll start being a little bit more generous. And what ends up happening is, is your heart is not going to follow. Your treasure is not going to follow your heart. And so if you're waiting for your heart to change and, and you're thinking about, well, what, what should I do? If you're thinking about this from a heart perspective, your treasure will never follow it. You have to put your treasure someplace and then your heart will follow. When you start investing in kingdom things, your heart will follow that. When you understand your spiritual gift and you start to serve in a way that builds up the body of Christ, your heart will follow that. 
When you're honoring God with your finances, God will follow that. You know, when you're honoring, when you're being a good steward with your calendar, you know, when you, stop, when you make the time to go to a small group, when you're done, your heart follows that. If you think about it from a head perspective, you're going to miss it every time. You know, getting ready for a small group on Thursday nights, it's been a long day, we're tired. It's like, oh, we have a small group tonight. My first thought is, oh, I have a small group tonight. But then when everybody leaves, it was like, that was great. It was great to be with people and to study and encourage one another, pray with one another. When you step out with your treasure, when you step out with those things that are important and you draw a line with those things, your heart will follow. And that's what Jesus is encouraging his listeners and us today to do, to, to, to step out, to be, to be intentional about living our faith out. Our hearts will follow that. You know, each of us has to make a decision about where we're going to choose to invest our treasure, our time, our talents. You know, we have to be intentional about thinking about where we're going to choose to invest. And then the second thing Jesus encourages us to think about is how we view our life. You know, how do you view life? What is your vision for yourself, for those around you, and for the future? As you move into uh, verse uh, 22, Jesus says, your eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body is going to be filled with light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is going to be full of darkness. If then the light is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You know, the eye is the lamp of the body. And that uh, there's some potentially uh, complex uh, interpretations to try to unpack what this means. I know when you get into some of the uh, Hebrew idioms, I mean, you start getting into some of the languages and some of the texts. There's the, there's the tovion versus the, the ion tovah in terms of how do you understand the light and the heavens and earth. And so when you get into the Jewish system of theology, it, it can get quite complex sometimes. You know, but Jesus is just, I think in my mind, it's just the simplicity of this. Your eye is the lamp to your body. It's simply like your body is like a, it's like a house. It's like a room and your eyes light that up. And so how you live your life out, the things that you put into practice as you work out your faith, your body is lit by your eyes. You know, it's simply your eyes illuminate. And so when you see things or when you hear things, how do you respond? In the context of this passage, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, where your treasure is, your heart's going to follow. And so then, and then you're, and they see that and they hear that, and then they're, they're, it needs to come to fruition in their life. And so how do they live that out? And so when we're, we're living in the light, it's a reflection of what our eyes have seen and what we have heard and how that directs how we live out our faith. And you see that really clearly with regard to how people even do something as simply as respond to the gospel. You know, the majority of people, the majority of people, in our community, don't have a relationship with Christ. And so we exist to help them to understand how to have a relationship with Christ. A lot of times in conversations, we'll have a conversation, oh, that's okay, that's good for you. You know, it's people all different places on their journey. And so we respect everybody's opinion. Everybody, everybody's opinion has value. We respect everybody's ability to make the wrong choice. <laughs> you know, Jesus says that I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's, that's good news to those of us that have a relationship with Christ. It's, it's detrimental the people that don't have a relationship with Christ. And so when you're talking to somebody about having a relationship with Christ, 
You know, Jesus uh, in the book of Mark talks about four soils in terms of how people respond to those, that, that good news. You know, sometimes people hear the good news about Christ and it's like seed that falls on a path. It's like casting out seed and the seed falls on the path and it just burns out, dries up. There's nothing to take root and they just don't hear it. They don't, they don't do anything with it. Sometimes seed falls into rocky soil and it grows really quickly, but then it dies out because there's not enough soil to sustain it. And then there's bad soil. You know, there's bad soil where there's thorns that kind of choke it out and it, it starts to grow and it starts to take hold, but it's wrestling with the things of this world and heavenly things and it gets choked out by the world. And then there's seed that falls on good soil and it reproduces itself and, it, and there's, there's something tangible about a person's life that's made that faith commitment. There's others, that seed that has fallen in, among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and they choke out the word and it proves unfaithful. You know, we're living in a world that is getting choked out by the things of this world. And it prevents us from becoming all that God wants us to do. And that's what that third soil is. That third soil are, are those that are, they've, they've made a faith commitment, they've believed, but they're, they're just getting choked out by the things of this world. And we all get choked out by stuff. There's so many things that can distract us from the realities of who we are in Christ. And we certainly get choked out by our stuff. We get choked out by our stuff that we're building. I keep waiting for this new Panera to go in at Huntley. And every time I see something getting built, I thought, oh, maybe that's going to be the Panera. That's going to be the Panera. They were building something over here on the side. I thought, well, maybe that'll be the Panera. Turns out it was a storage facility. You know, I got a storage facility. There's one right across the street. It's really nice, too. And uh, it's heated and air conditioned. And I thought it was kind of interesting. I, I did a quick search last week. There are 22 storage facilities around this building. 22 places for people to store their stuff. And when you look at it from a, from a national perspective, that got me a little curious. And so I was looking at this last week. I found out right now there's over 45,000 different storage facilities that are around the U.S. that are being built. It is one of the number one high growth industries for people to invest their money in. So if you want to invest in a stock, you know, invest in somebody that's <laughs> building storage facilities. It, and the growth rate on the storage facilities right now, it, it's phenomenal. We've got so much stuff that we can't even get it into our homes. And so people are putting it in storage facilities. I mean, we got stuff. And we are getting choked out by all our stuff. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things enter in and they choke out the word. And so Jesus, with this very simple teaching of not storing up our treasures in heaven, gets choked out by the world. In Deuteronomy, in chapter 6, you know, Moses is writing to the Israelites. He says, listen, hear this, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. In other words, you're to love him wholeheartedly. He is to be our first priority. And the words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Jesus would quote the same passage when somebody would ask him, hey, what's the most important command in the Bible? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all your strength. We are to love God and to put him first in every area of our life. But what happens is the world chokes us out and we're caught in this tension between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven. 
And we need to choose the kingdom of heaven. We need to choose the kingdom of heaven. We don't want to be like the ones that get choked out from the things of this world. We want to focus on him and what he has for us and make him first priority in our lives. And so we are to choose to place our treasure on the right spot. We have to choose how we're going to live our life out. And then the third thing that we know is we need to, we need to choose who our master is going to be. We need to choose who our master is going to be. You know, what is a master? If you were going to explain to somebody what a master is, how would you explain it? Well, it's somebody that is in charge, right? It's somebody that has authority over, over others. And so in an Old Testament, in the New Testament time, you had, you had masters and you have slaves, or you have masters and you have servants. And so it, it means to sub, submit yourself. It's a subordinate relationship to somebody that is over you. And so Jesus in that passage is talking about the fact that, that we can't serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so it's impossible. And so we have to choose in our worldview who we're going to serve. You know, are we going to let the things of this world choke us out? Or are we going to be in a position where we're constantly stepping out and placing our faith and putting our trust in God and what he has for us? No one can serve two masters. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus is with the disciples and in fact, I want to look at that passage just uh, briefly with you. And Luke 18, beginning in verse 18, there is a, uh, there's a ruler that comes before Jesus and said, uh, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a great question, right? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? That's a question. You know, when somebody asks me that, it's like, oh, I get to have a great conversation today. Jesus said to him, well, why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, all of these I have kept since my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have, distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad because he was extremely rich. Jesus saying this, it had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for the camel to get through the eye of a needle than for the rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, who can be saved? And Jesus said, well, with man, everything's impossible. With God, all things are possible. When Jesus heard this, one thing you lack, sell everything you have, distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. When he heard these things, he became sad. Why did he become sad? He was, he was sad because he had all this stuff he wasn't willing to give up. And so, again, being, having money and having wealth is, is, not a, is not necessarily a problem. It's when the focus on those things or the reliance on those things causes us to not focus on things of heaven. In verse 24, it, go to the next passage for me. In verse 24, Jesus saying that he had become sad, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God. It's the wealth, if it's misplaced, if the priority of it, if the importance of it 
focuses us to be distracted from what God has for us, then it's a problem. How easy is it for us to, to be generous with our stuff? It can be really difficult. In fact, it can be so difficult that it can keep us from experiencing God's best for us. It can keep us from experiencing the good news about Christ. You know, we need to, to be focused on serving those around us. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. There's really not. In fact, we can do a lot of good with, with, with our wealth. In fact, an article I was reading yesterday, Ashton Krucher, you know, very wealthy actor, uh, is offered to match up to $3 million. Anybody that donates to this fund to help the people in Ukraine, he's going to match it up to $3 million. I thought, wow, that's a, that's a nice thing to do. But here's the thing. It is a good thing to do because to much that's been given, you know, you have the responsibility of managing that. But here's the thing. If our focus becomes on the financial part of that, then that's where it is a slippery slope. We can't focus on politics. We can't focus on money. That good news without the hope of the Christ, without the hope of of the gospel, without sharing Christ with others, is really not going to be fruitful. In fact, in the book of Acts, um, there's a in Acts chapter 3, uh, right at the beginning of chapter 3, Peter and John were going to the temple. It was the hour of the prayer, the ninth hour. A man that was lame from birth was being carried, and they laid him at the gate of the temple court called the Beautiful Gate to ask for alms, to ask for people that were entering in if they could help him. He was in dire need, and he was asking people that were walking in if they could help. So Peter and John, seeing that, are about going into the temple, and he looks up to them, and, and Peter looked at him, as did John, And he said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, I don't have any silver. I don't have any gold. But what I do have to give you is this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up. And immediately his feet, his ankles were made strong. He leapt up. He stood up and began to walk. He entered the temple court with him, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God. They recognized him as the one who had sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement about what God had done. Can you imagine what would happen if Peter and, and John walking into the temple court just kind of reached in and said, okay. You want a dollar? Here you go. Then they walked into the temple court. You know, when we cast out our finances, when we give to people in need like that without having spiritual conversations with them, we rob people of being able to experience the joy that comes from knowing what it means to have a relationship with Christ. You know, when we use our time, our finances, when we use, when we're good stewards and when we give generously, that brings glory to God. That is focusing on heavenly things. You know, we've been called into a relationship with Christ. There's something that we're, should be different about our lives as we focus on these two different worlds. All of us, every morning when we wake up, every morning when we wake up, have to make a decision about whether we're going to focus on things of this world or heavenly things. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus' message throughout the Sermon on the Mount is reminding people that this kingdom of heaven is at hand. Don't be distracted. And his message to us today is about choosing today which kingdom that we are going to focus on. Don Carson wrote a book called Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and his confrontation with the world. And he writes, writes this, Life in the kingdom is not simply a question 
of crossing one hurdle or passing a test. But it's followed by, followed to be followed by this relative indifference to kingdom norms. Instead, rather, it is a deep repentance which, is, which willingly orients all of life around these new norms. And so we have been called into a relationship with Christ. If we have a relationship with Christ, we're called to be different than what we see around us. And that's one of the problems that we see. That's one of the problems when people walk into the church. They don't see anything that is different. They don't see anything different between how they're living their life and how their Christian friends are living their lives. You know, we are being choked out by the things of this world. And Jesus is reminding us that we need to focus on the kingdom of heaven and not be choked out by the things of this world. And so as you read through the Sermon on the Mount, specifically as you get to our passage this morning, Jesus is reminding us about the importance of making a choice to invest our treasure in heaven, to live out a life that is focused on him, and to choose for this day who will be your master. You know, we know Jesus not just as a Savior, but a Lord, as we submit ourselves to his teaching and to that, that worldly view and how we live out our lives. And we make him our Lord as we try to put into practice the things that he has taught us. And so this morning, if you have questions about what that looks like, you know, we have a, we started this encounter journey moving into this year to be intentional about helping people to get into that first year. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, we want to invite people to, to get connected vertically to a relationship with Christ, to their Heavenly Father, and horizontally to each other in the body of Christ. And so if that is, if you have not made that decision, if you've never placed your faith in Christ, if you can't say with clarity that today I'm choosing to make Jesus my Lord and Savior, I'm going to start living out these kingdom values, that first chair is for you. And we have a starting point workshop coming up in a couple weeks. It's a great opportunity to hear a little bit about our vision, our mission, our values, what's important uh, to us from a biblical perspective at Springbrook. And we'll help navigate and answer questions about what it means to be clear about how to have a relationship with Christ and be growing in your faith. Pastor Matt's How to Study the Bible workshop is clearly how do we grow in our faith. It's a chair two workshop. It's designed to help us to understand God's word and how to apply it to our lives. And we just finished up a spiritual gifts workshop uh, last week. We had, um, I think it was seven people uh, uh, for the first time really identified and unlocked the power of their spiritual gifts. And so we want to equip people for ministry. And then we want to live missional lives as we seek to accomplish all that God has for us today. And so I just want to encourage you this morning um, to take heart. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We don't have to be distracted by the things that are happening in this world, the things that are happening in the world around us, because we know who ultimately is in control. We know who is in charge. God is not looking on, down on this world, surprised by anything that happens, but is a sovereign God that loves us, that cares about us, and is in control of every detail in my life. And that is something for us to celebrate. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. God, I thank you for Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Every time I read through that, I can't help but wonder what people were thinking at the time. I know what I've wondered with and the things I've wrestled through and the things I've been challenged by. God, I know you are constantly challenging areas in my life that I know need to be surrendered to you. And God, this lordship issue can be difficult, but I thank you for the opportunity that we have to encourage one another in this journey together. God, we are, we are not alone. We're not alone in this. And so, God, I'm so grateful for who we are 
uh, together as the body of Christ. I thank you for uh, the hope that we do have in Christ as we celebrated communion this morning. It was a celebration of that reality that Jesus was raised from the grave. He is seated at your right hand, and God, we look forward to the day that he's going to return. But until that time, knowing that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, God, I pray that you continue to give us uh, an ever-increasing sense of your presence in our life. Help us to be able to experience uh, just a glimpse of that reality today. And uh, we look forward to all that you have for us. We commit this day to you. Uh, We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We'd love to invite you to stand one more time as you're able as we respond in song to this word that we've received from the Lord together this morning.
want to thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you for spending your time with us. You could be anywhere today, and we know that. It is a privilege for us to be with you in this time of worship. So I want to thank you for spending your time here this morning. I want to remind you, if you are a leader here, in just a couple of hours, we are having our leadership gathering back in the gym. So come on back around 1230 for that. We will see you then. Have a blessed, blessed week in the Lord, and we will see you next Sunday.